This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. Welcome, everybody, to episode two. Today, my guest is Joe Hawley, a giant Viking of a man who was an NFL player for eight years, a lineman, uh, who came to fame, another layer of fame, different fame, after his time in the NFL as a guy who had a blog. He had a blog called the Man Van Dog Blog, and after he finished the NFL, he got in a van threw a dog in the back of it or the front of it, fucking somewhere, threw the van somewhere, <laughs> threw the dog somewhere in the van and drove across the country and blogged about it. Since that point, he is now the founder and CEO of the Heart Collective, which is a community of people leading from the heart, entrepreneurs and leaders and all kinds of uh, all kinds of good people doing good work with Joe. You may have seen him uh, a couple times in Men's Health. Uh, about a year ago, there was an, a really great article about a trip, a wilderness trip he led uh, for former athletes. And, uh, you know, as to the, the point of this show, Joe is also a dad. He's a daddy. And today, this episode, we're going to go through that whole experience and how it's shaping him. Joe is early on in his fatherhood journey and has a lot of really wonderful things to say about his background, about who he is, who he's become, and how he is looking at and framing this next adventure of being a dad. Joe and I get into his past, his present, and his future, and specifically lean into the beginning of his journey of fatherhood. All right, before I tell you about some events coming up and before we get to the main event conversation today, I want to throw out a quick ask. And this ask is for dads or dad-adjacent humans. The question is, is, is about your questions. I want to start a Q&A section of this podcast. I want to go into each episode with a question or two. I want to know the questions that if you had answers for, your life would somehow be different. So these can be questions on parenting directly. They can be questions about your life as a man, your life as a father. Actually, they can be questions about anything. If I were to throw out some questions right now, it would be things like, how the hell do I think about parenting when AI is on the way? How the heck do I get my one-year-old to eat more bananas? <laughs> it could be anything, anything at all. So if you do have questions, please... Go to dandody.com and there is a box there to send us a note just to be in touch. I would love to hear your questions. We'll build, we'll build a more formal way uh, to send us. Oh, you could DM them through Instagram as well. Find me on Instagram, underscore dandody, underscore. Send us uh, some questions and you will probably hear them soon on this show. All right, the last thing before we get going with the interview, I want to tell you about two opportunities that are coming up. This July, July 16th through 22nd, myself and my co-leader Aaron Blaine 
are leading an expedition through Yellowstone National Park. The unbreakable bond refers to what the intention of the trip is. This trip is for fathers and their sons. The age group for the sons is variable, but generally 12 is about the youngest. Basically, kids need to be able to, well, dads do too. Everybody needs to be able to carry a pack uh, through a fairly rigorous expedition up and over the mountains of Yellowstone National Park. This trip is truly coming back to the very beginning of my career, and it comes back to what I care about maybe more than anything, which is helping dads and their sons, helping this critical passing on of life, of masculinity, of the generations from one to the other with as much love and care and support as possible. We are living in a culture without rites of passage. We are living in a society where fathers and sons can basically just kind of go through life on the surface or maybe dipping into depth or actually knowing each other, but we don't have many things set up where dads and their sons can actually go all the way into what they feel, what they think, what they want, who they are, how to live, passing on the gifts, asking the big questions. And we're going to do all of this together, expertly facilitated in the midst of the most glorious nature that you can imagine on this continent. It's a big trip. It's intended to be the type of thing that sets up a family for a lifetime. You can find more out at dandody.com. Look under the events tab and you will find the unbreakable bond. One more to throw at you, and we are now open and taking applications for Force of Nature Spring 2023. Force of Nature is a wild ride. Well, it's not really a ride, although there's a ride involved. It's 15 men uh, and myself and my assistants get on a boat, get dropped off an island for three days. On that island, we sleep under tarps and cook over fire and live a very in a very simple, primal way. Meanwhile, we are doing deep, intensive men's work, meditation, nature connection, and all of the kinds of things that you would probably want to do if you wanted to know who you actually are, where you're actually headed, and you wanted to create support around you in order to achieve that. Nature is the big dog when it comes to helping us re-land in our core and in our center. And this process that we undertake together helps us figure out how we fit in the rest of the noisy world. You are invited to come and take some time away in adventure, in connection, and staring at one of the most beautiful landscapes in the country here in Maine. You can find this at dandoty.com under events force of nature. And now I hope you enjoy this conversation with Joe Hawley. So let's start with, uh, let's start with who the fuck you are, where you came from. What's like the, what's the fastest way to tell the world uh, that's the world that, you know, the, the, the six people that'll listen to this first episode or first few episodes, <laughs> I love that. tell them who you are. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Summing up the, the question of who am I, I feel like it's a constant unfolding. And I just want to say how much I appreciate you doing this. Cause I totally agree everything you're saying. And there's so many different angles to have this conversation. And I love that you're bringing in the, the generational trauma. Cause that's such a big piece of kind of what we're moving through as a society and culture. And, you know, being a father is a huge piece of that. And we'll speak to that. But the who am I question? Question. Um, oh, I guess 
huge part of my journey has been uh, as, a, as a professional athlete. I played in the NFL for eight years and went through a really big ego death, like a death rebirth process when I walked away from the game. Um, and that is, uh, I'm excited to bring that kind of psychological death rebirth process into this conversation as well, because I think that's a huge part of becoming a father. And um, I've learned a lot about that, not just from my personal experience going through that, but just consistently and constantly doing this inner work of letting go of the things that no longer serve me in these, these programs and these stories. And so when I walked away, um, really was presented with the very question you just asked me of, of who am I? And um, I really struggled to answer that question. And I didn't know who I was, um, you know, not being an athlete anymore. I felt very isolated and alone. Um, I just felt like I had to, had to go on this journey of self-discovery and healing. And so I ended up buying a van and I traveled the country for almost two years and uh, really just continued to, to build a new foundation of, of who I am, uh, just really like uncovering uh, the deeper parts of myself as, as, I, as I let go of the things I thought I was and I, I, that held so much importance in my life. Uh, and there's a lot that's happened in there that we can explore if you'd like. Um, and I, relevant to this, this, uh, this podcast, I became a father 15 months ago, I have a little boy named Luca and he is uh, coming more online every day. And it's just one of the most magical, magical journeys I've ever been on. Yeah. So why don't you, why don't you uh, bring us into the moment on a specific, you know, sort of blindingly dad moment that, that just, I don't know, whatever, either heart bursting open or just so in like, bring us into one of the best moments with your son so far. Oh man, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, tell me and have told me, and I'm sure people have heard this is like, when you first see your child born, it's like the most incredible thing you'll ever experience. Your heart blasts open. You've never loved something so much. And I didn't really experience that. It's, think, it's not statistically normal for everybody to have it that first moment. Yeah. And like, as I reflect on that, I, I just, I think I've had a lot of uh, deep experiences and and uh, expanded experiences I've gone through like I said some death rebirth processes so I've done a lot of experiences where I've, I've had that that awe-inspiring moment and so it just it wasn't really as profound as I've, I've heard people talk about it but that's that feeling has started to come more online each day as my son Oh man, just like even thinking about this is melting my heart. Just when he looks yeah, at let me, it, let, uh, let it, let it, let it speak from that place. Yeah, he, um, because I mean, the first, the first six, six months or so is really, I mean, it's all about mom and it's all about getting his needs met. And, you know, now that he, I mean, first, it's so crazy how fast they grow into little humans. I mean, I can't believe he's only 15 months old and it feels like he's shifted so much from when he was just so helpless and like you know, couldn't even hold his own head up. And, you know, he's a very independent uh, individual soul, like he very, he very has this adventure spirit. He's like always going and exploring. So he, it's almost like he doesn't really want much to do with not just me, with, but with really anyone. He's not like, so he's like really got a cuddly energy and he loves it, but he's like, he comes over for a minute, he like hugs and then he leaves. And it's just like, I don't know, probably a month ago when I started like just kneeling down and be like, Hey, come give me a hug. And he walks up with his arms open and he like, he embraces me and it's just like I just sit there and I just like I feel the pure presence and love that he has and it's as soon as I start just sinking into it and enjoying it he like pushes me away and he goes on to the next thing and I'm like oh I got a little bit um and it's just yeah I'm so excited about the journey ahead and um yeah we can dive more into it like you know and I'm excited to have like, learn from you as well I know you've been on this journey for for a while and it's just 
it's just a really trusting the the next step because it's always changing always shifting and they're growing and molding in such incredible ways constantly yeah i was gonna say there's there's a good metaphor there you know he comes gives you a big hug and then just kind of steps and turns away i think you know i uh so i have three duke is six the oldest jude is three and a half and wilderness is six months um so i can't speak from a place of you know having raised children and have them leaving the house right but i can speak for the experience of all of the men many of the men that i've sat in circles with and done work with or coached and all those things and it does seem that something for you and i to be aware of and pay attention to is that they are gonna leave right like like they are eventually uh going to turn away from us in the house and go be their own humans which uh you know that maybe maybe that's easy maybe that's not easy but yeah i think that's uh um so i'm gonna let i'm just gonna let that last sentence hang that hang there and not finish it <laughs> did you always want to be tell me about sort of how you viewed fatherhood did you always want to be a dad? Was it a surprise? Like, did you have good, did you have a good role model in your own father? Like what was, what was sort of your, your, well, most of your life, your pre-dad life in, in terms of relating to, to fatherhood? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot there to unpack. Um, I'll start with, you know, the, the, did I always want to be a father? Yes. On some, on, on some level, I always knew I would be a father. It was definitely a desire. I was at a point when I, actually got pregnant or my wife got pregnant uh, we got pregnant um it was funny like i was traveling like i shared i was traveling and on the road i was very independent exploring my freedom from this thing that had defined me for so long i was just very like wonderless soul and nomadic and my mom would always tell me like it's like her fear was like you you need to settle down and that kind of that that generational story of like you know that the, the next step is to settle down get a house get a wife have, have start a family get some kids and I was just like totally breaking that story to pieces and yeah. I always just like I don't know when it's going to happen but it's going to happen and I'm not I'm, I'm just not stressed about it I'm not like it's not something I'm worried about yeah. and so when it happened it was definitely a surprise I met my my wife I, we were in kind of the same community never really connected but we went on our first date uh, March 2020 when the pandemic started mm -hmm. and then she stayed over one night and woke up the next morning it was like you know should i like it seems like the world's going you know bonkers should i stay here or should i go find somewhere else to hunker down and i was like yeah let's give it a try go ahead and stay here and we got pregnant three months later ended up getting married three months after that so it, was, it happened really fast going from this wonderless soul free spirit to all of a sudden family man uh going into fatherhood and so we can speak to like all of the the processes that I went through, um, yeah. because I think that is one of the things you alluded to earlier is it's not really talked about a lot, the, 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 the grieving that needs to take place. And it's just, it's so like, we've never been modeled, especially as men on how to feel, how to grieve and how to let go. And it, I'm not saying that it was like this, this, this grief of like unbearable, but it was a loss of who I was. And so no matter who you are, you're going from, you know, who you were into fatherhood, there is a grieving process that needs to take place. And, you know, being able to support men and support ourselves through that process and allowing for that to unfold, I think is really beautiful. And so we can get into that a little bit. But back to the, the question, my man, how was uh, how was fatherhood modeled to me? It was my father. Uh, he was, it's so funny. I had this story around, you know, when I was younger, like I didn't really have a lot to complain about. Uh, didn't have a lot of like quote unquote, like 
trauma or traumatic experiences. But as I've gone on this healing journey and reflection of my childhood, um, you know, my father wasn't wasn't very present. And uh, I think this is probably a pretty common story. My dad, you know, he sacrificed a lot of for for working for providing us a, a middle upper middle class life. Um, but he wasn't very present uh, and around a lot and, and mostly wasn't very present emotionally. And that really took a toll on me. And, um, you know, realizing now and having a wider lens of why that is, you know, and the generational trauma, like you spoke to of, you know, his father was an alcoholic, and he just didn't have a good father. And so it's this, this cycle that I just started witnessing was being passed down. And so I've done a lot of healing with my father. And one of the really amazing moments when, um, you know, speaking to, to, to one of the moments with my son, Luca, is realizing that this relationship I always have always desired with my father, like always desiring him to be more present, always desiring him to, to see me for who I am and want to get to know me and want to go on experiences together, which I still, you know, it's, it's not there. And I've tried and I've, ha I've had to almost in a way, just kind of let go of that. And having Luca now, it's just a, such a beautiful opportunity for me because what I see there is an opportunity to have that relationship I always wanted, that father-son relationship. Mm -hmm. But now I'm just in the, the, the other role. But the yeah. energy of that is still, I can create the connection that I always desired with my father now with my son. And I just, I'm so, so excited about what that experience is going to be like. There's a really, I think, deep and sharp point of wisdom right there. And, and um, I remember when I, was in my late twenties and just started to kind of dive deeper inside myself. And I, and I did a intensive led by David data. And, um, you know, one of the core things I took away from that was this concept that, you know, the, the deepest wounds we carry or the, the biggest things that we were missing when we were really young and being formed. One of the most powerful ways to work with that is, is to give to others exactly what we needed then. And so part of my vision, which would just be, you know, uh, truly altering would be, you know, if, if that simple uh, message could get out to dads across the land that, you know, whatever we needed as kids that we didn't get. And I think, you know, there's a working with so many dads now, right. There's, there's often a commonality that there's some version of presence that wasn't there, right? It's either dad worked too much or he was actually there, but not emotionally there, right? There's some version. And, and so um, we don't need to chase this idea now, but one question that we'll come back to in this conversation is, I'm curious on your take, like, what's your job description, man? Like, what's the mandate, right? Like you as a dad, like what's, what's priority number one, what's, pri you know? And so we'll, we'll come back to that, but um so yeah, this, this, I loved what you said about, you know, needing to grieve uh, when our identity shifts or when our life stage shifts, right? And so um, let's go a little bit deeper into that because I think a very common thing for, for men, whether they're dads or not, is to have a little bit of that Uncle Rico syndrome of, you know, looking back at you know, your glory days and, remembering the yeah well the glory right remembering the glory and and i could just make assumptions or guesses for you men that you know the rewards that you received on a psychological professional finance all the different levels as a, an nfl football player um i imagine that that's like an incredibly large amount of i mean this is just i don't there might be some real basis in this but my sort of view of it is 
when we are very rewarded for for a chunk of our life that like that's extra hard that's extra hard to let go of it's hard to grieve it's hard to move on from that so you had a huge ego death leaving your sport and then you know you kind of became this wandering yogi band dude with a dog and you know i could see that being adopted a bit and then COVID hits and all of a sudden you're a fucking married father, man. Holy shit. So, so like, tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for that reflection. It's, it's, it's fascinating. The, just the constant death rebirths that, that are taking place. And it's, you know, reflecting on, I'm really grateful because, you know, a lot of, a lot of former athletes, you know, every former athlete at some point will go through the, the, the leaving of their sports and football is particularly poignant because it's not like something I can go do like a pickup game of football. It's like, you know, if you're playing basketball or soccer, you can like do some rec leagues and get involved in it. So that was a process. And I'm really grateful and proud of myself for the way I handled that. Cause I really, I really took it on and I went on this self-exploration journey. And I, I know a lot of athletes that really struggle because they're just hanging on so tightly to that identity. And then what happened was, you know, in the, in the van, I, I created a, a, you know, another identity. I, I had a, a blog I started called man van dog blog. I'm actually wearing the shirt right here. And I'm really grateful for that as well. Cause it actually helped me fill that void with something else pretty quickly. But then what I started realizing is, okay, now that's become my identity because I had a blog and I was on social media and people knew me as this guy that traveled in the van, this athlete, I'm like, man, it's just, and it's a part of life, right? And it's a part of being able to be present and continue to let go. And that's why it's so important to develop the tools on how, you know, the emotional intelligence and being able to check in with and identify how you're feeling, why you're feeling it, being able to have the tools to explore where these feelings originate, you know, the generational trauma, where is it coming from my father? What is a, a specific experience that is triggering me into this emotion? And so I've been really, really strong developing the tools of just being present and in this place of surrender and trust. And so when, you know, we found out we were pregnant and Luca was coming, it was, uh, I was, I was, I was here for it. Right. I was present. I was like, okay, this, this is, this is divine. Like there's something like I I'm in trust that there's something greater at play here. But then, you know, sitting with that, I remember when, when my wife first told me, she's like, I think, uh, she's like, this is a funny story. So she's, she's at the, uh, the grocery and she's holding a basket, like, like under her arm like this. And some random guy comes up to her and is like, like an older guy. And he's like, he's like, I know a mother when I see one, the way you're holding that basket. And, um, you know, my wife, she's, she's never thought she was going to be a mom or be pregnant or have kids it was like never on her radar. And so she's like, that's so weird. And she like thought about it. And she's like, I don't know why that just happened. So she's like, she came home. She's like, Hey, this story that just happened. I just, I felt weird about it. So I just, my period's a little bit late. So I bought uh, two, you know, pregnancy tests and we're just going to take them, but I don't think it's a big deal. And she ended up taking them and uh, they were both positive. And, <laughs> and so like part of me, you know, and I think this, we can speak to this a little bit more of like kind of the, the role and the, and the, the energy of, of a father and, you know, that, that masculine energy, I'm not just going to say like a men's energy, but the masculine energy of, of being present and being grounded and being an, an, uh, an anchor of support. And so I felt all of my stories coming up to the surface, like, oh man, what does this mean? How am I handle this? But I, I felt her energy, like really making sense of it and kind of going into her own chaos, you know, and like trying to, okay, is this okay? What, is this, what does this mean? And so in that moment, I remember just being really strong and grounded for her and 
you know, holding space for her. And it's like, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to figure this out. I'm here for you. Like, I'm not leaving you. Cause we're, I mean, it's a fresh relationship, right? So there's so much materials and it wasn't planned. And then I was like, okay. And then after about an hour or two, we kind of got settled and she's like sitting with it. Uh, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to go on a walk and uh, I need to go process. And she's like, okay. And so I went on this long hike. We were in the Colorado mountains and I just reflected and it, I was, there was definitely a moment when I just started crying and just like letting it flow and it wasn't necessarily a sadness. It was just, it was just a feeling of, man, this is the, this is so real. And this is so like, I can't hide from this. I got, I got to meet this. And I just knew in that process, there's a, there's a lot of unfolding and over, you know, it's, I think it's really beautiful that the universe, you know, gives parents nine months to really go through this, this, this grieving process, because if you just all of a sudden woke up with a kid, you would not be ready psychologically for, for that journey. And so, you know, going on that hike and really being able to just be with it process, you know, think and feel and just talk to God and, and be in nature. And then that kind of kicked off, you know, over the next nine months, there was, there was kind of ebbs and flows and waves of, you know, grieving and then waves of expansion, and excitement, you know, coming together closer with my wife and, there's the nervousness of like, you know, how do we, like, how do we even give birth? What do we do? Who do we talk to? And reaching out to other people uh, and other fathers. And I remember one guy I specifically reached out to, and I was like, Hey man, like, do you have any advice on, on being a father? And I'll never forget what he said. He's like, you know, there's no, there's no guidebook or rule book on, on being a father. It's just about being a, a good man. I was like, Oh man. And Oh, I just felt that in my body. It's so cool. Yeah. What did that? Yeah. Tell me more, but I like that. Go, go, yeah. go into that. Yeah, just it felt it felt a little bit of a like just you know like, like a frequency going through my body and in my heart, and it just I can feel that too because one of the things going into fatherhood is it's it can be so overwhelming because and and you can look to other people like like you have three kids older than me and I, I can look to you and be like you know how do you, how do you how do you do it how do you handle it but it's like with kids how fast they grow and how fast they come online. They're, they're first, all of them are so unique and they have their own energy signature and their own, their own way and their own essence that they, they respond differently and they're, they have, they're doing different things. So, and I know this is like kind of the journey I'm just starting on now that, that Luke is 15 months is in the big fear is like, how do I, like, how do I discipline him? How do I raise him? Like, how, how am I going to, how am I going to handle a situation when we're in public and he maybe throws a fit or does something? Yeah. And those are all things you cannot prepare for. You have to really just trust yourself in the moment and be present. And that's why having the tools and working on yourself as a man is so important because you, you're going to, you, you got to be grounded and present and not get thrown off in those moments when you're like, ah, overwhelmed and being a grounding force, not only for your, for your kid, for yourself, but for your family as well. And I think that's what he was alluding to is you're not going to know, but you're going to know in the moment that you need to know. Yeah. I want you to, to gut check me on something. So one of the, uh, like, I don't know, phrases or <clears throat> sort of taglines that I've used when I describe fatherhood. Some of this is like marketing language, honestly, but um, I've been saying that uh, in some ways, becoming a dad is like never having played football before in your life, but walking on the field for like a playoff game, because all of a sudden the stakes are really fucking high. <laughs> You've never really done it before. Uh, you have, you have, you know, played a professional football. So does that, does that stand up? Check me. Does that stand up? Does that feel accurate? Or is that a, is that a dramatization? 
Yeah, no, I, I love that. What I would add, because it's, 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 it's not so black and white. I think, yeah, it, it's, it's a situation like that. And you have the ability to really develop the tool. So you're not going out there straight from the couch, watching the Super Bowl to like out in the Super Bowl. You're actually like, okay, like, what do I have to show up to be prepared? And that's the daily disciplines and practices and doing the work and being able to forgive yourself and not be so hard on yourself. Like you're going to make mistakes and being able to, to have the healthy relationship with self so that you're not getting super triggered. You're not holding on to stories too long. You're being able to let go process. Part of that is developing a strong community, you know, seeking out men's groups, like feeling supported so that you can actually process. Cause you, it's hard to process alone. And especially as a new, new dad, like that's a, a big issue. And I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing in the world is it does feel isolating, especially in this, this old paradigm where we're, we're taught that like, you know, it's all about nuclear family. And we've gotten to a point where we're feeling so separated from our community, especially, especially locally, like how, how many people actually know their neighbors and yeah. there's not a lot of kids out playing anymore. And so it can be even more isolating as a, as a man. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm really grateful. I've got a couple really incredible uh, role models of fathers that are in my, my community here locally that, you know, have a couple kids that are, you know, a few years older than Luca. So I can look at to them and I'm just like, really just like absorbing like how they handle different situations and then got a couple friends that are you know my one of my really good friends just had a baby like two days ago and so you know being able to like support him and it becomes this like network of we're all like supporting each other and I think that is so important is to surround yourself with with other humans and other families who are deciding to raise their kids in a similar way because then you're not yeah. feeling so isolated and alone. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I feel like for me, all of the uh, time and energy and resource I put into therapy and men's groups and plant medicine and just all of the different things that, that I ever did, um, you know, not, and, and that, I mean, I guess I should also include in there, you know, college and learning a business and learning a trade and, you know, like all of the things in some essence, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that, um, those things kind of get cashed in now as a father, right? Like mm -hmm. the impacts of, of how I've, like you said, the, to be a great dad is really to be a great man. And I actually think there's, uh, I agree with that. Um, and I'm curious, you know, I also believe that every father in some sense, if he trusts himself enough, has a lot of, of goodness to share with other dads. So kind of leaning on this, you know, communal, um, I mean, that's something I just, I believe, and not only believe, but have experienced all the way, right? I, I do think that we can learn from each other on a, on a really deep and, and fast and, and meaningful level pretty quickly, you know? Um, so I'm curious, if you were to write, and I know you're 15 months in, right? You're just a new dad. But if you were to write a, a fatherhood prep manual, Joe... What would you include? Like what categories? And I, I'm putting you on the spot on purpose, right? I, I'm not yeah. expecting like a baked answer here, but like, what do you mm. think? What What are the big What are the big pieces that that men should be aware of mm. or addressing before? Yeah, or, or during, uh, you know, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, emotional intelligence um, is a big one, and that's. Uh, and a foundational understanding of, of yourself and of your, you know, your triggers, your, your woundings, how you, how you show up. And these, like a lot of these, a lot of my guidebook would be around the psyche and psychology and 
and the self and self-development and some spiritual maturity work because like we said there is no real tactical manual i mean even when the baby first came like luca luca first came this is a cool story i one of my uh one of my buddies uh who has it has a has a child um i remember going over it was like three or four weeks after luca was born and uh, they're they're my neighbors and i went over there and he just reflected back to me because i handed him luca and he was you know he has a kid too but it's not his kid so he's like kind of you know holding him and luca's so fragile he's like holding his head up and he knows what he's doing but it's not his kid so he's like being very careful and then luca starts crying and so he hands him back he's like oh he's crying and so i, I just grab luca like a football and i just start like shaking him like this and he's like oh and he looked at me he's like damn he's like you just you just know what to do and like luca just fell right asleep and i was just like reflected on that i'm like oh my gosh like i wouldn't do this with somebody else's baby but <laughs> like luke i just knew like i just knew what to do for him and there's nothing i could like nobody could have taught me that and i it's just this this presence and this surrender into that so there's definitely an intuitive aspect to parenting and, and to fatherhood and so what what comes to me there is being able to tap into some of these these feminine principles and feminine energies within the self of being nurturing and being compassionate and being soft and being able to connect to the intuition which is like the feminine aspects and being able to allow that to come through and that's same thing with the emotions that's where the emotions come through and you know i think you know this better than anyone and the work that you do is a big uh issue with you know our society and culture especially when it comes to men is is we bottle up our emotions. We don't know how to express, how to release, how to feel. And so developing a, a relationship with your emotions and being able to, to fully process and feel. And I think a big part of that is, is community, is support in the, in the ways that we're talking. Yeah, I, it's, it's funny. I haven't had this feeling for a long time, um, but I balked a little bit at you labeling that softness as feminine in in mm. this specific in this specific context and this this is kind of like an old uh you know thorn in my hide in a sense is that um i deeply agree with you and i want men and dads to be able to uh have that capacity uh because i think their children need that capacity in, the, in their fathers and other people do too and they, actually the men need it for themselves but um but again, I think automatically saying, hey, dads, you need this, but guess what? It's feminine. I still think that causes a, sub, a subconscious block, unfortunately, and maybe not, you know, fucking listeners, you know, tell, tell me if I'm wrong here and, and maybe I'm making, making something out of nothing here. But um, I got two words for you that might help, especially with the audience. Yeah. And I would love to hear what, what they think, because yeah. I, I, there, there's the words carry frequency, right? And word, words yeah. carry some some resistance to some people and, and working through that is, is a process as well. Two words that I, I'd like to use that are quite interchangeable is, uh, is the performer and the creator. So the mm. performer is the masculine energy. And like as an athlete that resonated with me because it's like the performance and the doing and the, and then yeah. the creator is that is the being is the, is the flow is the intuition, like the creative life force or, or even creating art is more of that feminine aspect and i agree with you like words are very interesting especially nowadays and especially with all these you know kind of like this the spiritual movement i, I there's a lot of resistance there with yeah. with all this language that's coming on online the what i'm 
here's part of what I guess gets me on this topic is that I see fatherhood is such an incredible, incredible organic opportunity for men to fill out their spectrum and, and allow themselves to be human. And I think so for, so first, and I've worked with a bunch of these guys, but like, um, you know, if you've never sat in a men's group or you've never sort of like leaned into to different sort of esoteric ways of being and all of this, but then all of a sudden you have like a, a, you know, a naked baby's skin on your chest and all of a sudden you feel more than you've ever felt. And it's just like, I just think it's this incredible um, organic way that men like become all the way human right mm. and i'm with you and i think pre-training and having some skill set is is really 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 helpful but it also makes me think about you know our this is all just me fucking like tripping out and thinking about shit so i, I don't know that any about what i, I love your saying. process it's, it's in real time let's go yeah uh i mean i imagine that a couple hundred thousand years ago or whatever whenever humans were humans without internet and fucking phones right like 20 um, years ago we would have had kids way fucking earlier in our life right like we have a really extended adolescent young adulthood in my life right i didn't become a dad until i was 35 um so you kind of got that i don't know like i, I could have physically biologically had a kid when i was like 13 or 14 and so we're talking about a 22 year 22 year window where my seed lay dormant and i was just like doing my thing my me thing right and um, I think that that's fucking great, in, you know, and we get to build these lives and have ourselves and have our, you know, identities and all of that. Um, but I do think it, it creates a bit of a gap that when we're so used to being us as me, and then all of a sudden, and I'm curious if, if what you have with what I'm about to say, but I think that becoming a dad, it kind of has like a Copernican revolution moment where it's like, I am the center of the universe. And then all of a sudden, fuck, I'm not, I'm wrong. That changed. Something's different. Like my fundamental stance with reality has now shifted a little bit. Um, and I just think it's a, we've created like a big gap. <laughs> I think we've created because we're not in community, because we're not sort of in a little tribe and we're so dist. I'm not sure about you, but I had almost no contact with kids, you know, for most of my fucking life. And then all of a sudden I had one like handed to me. It's like, Jesus Christ, that's a big difference. Mm. You know? Isn't um, that fascinating that like our, our culture and society, two of the biggest moments in the experience of life is death and birth, the transition between the veil and, you know, my son's birth is the only birth I've ever been present for. And it was like the portal opening. I'm just like, oh my God, it's just so like mind altering and like heart expanding that, but it, we're so sheltered in a way from experiencing that. I'm sure 200,000 years ago when we're in a tribe, there's, you know, you're experiencing birth and death kind of as a tribe together all the time. And it's, it's, it's hidden from us. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And so, I mean, that's, that's my, that's my gut sense anyway, right. Is that we lived immersed intertwined with death, with birth, with guts and blood and just life. Right. And here we are, we build our little towers of, you know, whatever the fuck our lives are and and we're really really oftentimes very distanced from all of that so have you had a, a shift in cosmology and you said something in there about spiritual maturity um skills i'm curious i'm curious what what that means to you and how that plays in yeah um oh there's so much here 
I wanted to speak on a framework that has been really powerful. And it, it was just coming through when you were talking about uh, what you were just sharing is the, the, the framework of, you know, the archetypes. And there's four main archetypes psychologically. And it's fascinating how the psyche likes to split things into fours. We have four directions. There's four elements. And so there's these four main archetypes that have really helped give me a, a good uh, resonant language to look at this psychological processes and maturity going from, you know, into fatherhood. And it's the, the king, warrior, magician, lover. And so you have these shadow aspects of all these archetypes. And these are these the archetypal forces are like part of the collective psyche that we all have access to. And so one thing that comes to mind is the, the shadow king, which is really prevalent in our society. And I think one of the biggest issues that we face is this psychological Im immaturity. Uh, you know, we don't, and, and we can get into like why that is, you know, a big piece of that is the missing uh, initiatory processes and rites of passages from boyhood to manhood, where we don't actually go through a facilitated death rebirth process. And so if you don't ever actually have a psychological death rebirth process, you know, you're going to have to go through it on your own. And that's why, like, for me, it was going on my own journey in the van is where I, I really went out and I didn't have the tools or community to support and facilitate that. So that can be a really challenging time if done alone. And we just don't have a lot of places to turn, especially as men. And so birth is one of those things. And one of the things that came to me with that, that King archetype, and even the, the warrior archetype, and then you're speaking to the when the, when the baby's on the chest, you know, naked skin, it's like that lover archetype comes on. It's like, oh my gosh. And so all these energy forces that live within us, being able to recognize how those show up. And, you know, the big one that came to me is, is being of service. You know, the shadow king is, the, they think the kingdom is in service to, to them or to me. And the healthy king archetype is I am in service to the kingdom. And so becoming a father, that really hits home of, you know, it's no longer me and how the world is in service to me and my needs. It's, it's a, a shift into, Oh, how, how can I show up and be of service uh, to this family and to this, this beautiful baby that just arrived. Um, and then the, the spiritual maturity. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been on my uh, very interesting spiritual path. Um, I, I grew up in a, a Christian household, uh, very dogmatic belief structures, not a lot of curiosity was cultivated in my, uh, in my questioning of uh, the religion I grew up in and it's just reality. And so part of me was really uh, curious in understanding uh, this, this creation, this, this life. And um, so when I first left the NFL and, and was, was confronted with these deeper existential questions of who am I? you know, I went on a journey of exploration and, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to understand, you know, quote unquote, God or the universe. I even used to have a lot of resistance to the word God talking about words and the weight that they carry. I've, I've been able to work through that and heal and understand and widen my definition of what God is and the energy that he embodies. But I, I like to use the word like universe or life force or the thing that is, you know, this experience of creation that we're having. And I really wanted to know, what that was and develop a relationship with that for myself. And so I learned about all different types of, you know, Eastern mysticism, philosophies, um, esoteric teachings. And yeah, I'm really grateful for all that. And I think there's this big movement I'm seeing now of kind of the, the spiritual narcissism in a way where it's like, you know, still ego driven, but it's using spiritual language and the energy of spirituality to, you know, just kind of still elevate. And it, it goes back to the archetype of how is this being of service to me? And I think a big problem 
of that is, you know, social media, like social media just breeds this, I'm trying to create more followers, it's about me, me, me. And so when I, when I feel into spiritual maturity, it's an, it's an understanding and having a connection that is your own unique personal connection to the thing that is greater than self. And there's so many different languages to use to describe that. There's so many different ideologies, methodologies, religions. And in my, in my journey, I've, I've been able to work through and explore all those because, you know, having an open mind and curiosity and a strong inner skeptic is all important to be able to go through all these different stories. But I love the word spiritual maturity because it doesn't carry any like dogma with it. It doesn't carry like this is the right way to believe in God, but it, it does bring into the conversation that, that there is something that is greater than the self. Even if you don't view it as intelligent, which I think is crazy because we we're, I mean, just exhibit A or live in it. Um, but it's, 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 it really is ineffable. Like there is you, to even name it or put it into a box or describe it with a single word is really diminishing that what it is. And so for me, spiritual maturity is really understanding and having a connection with, with that greater intelligence. And for me, I like to view it as, as my heart. And so connecting with my heart and the intelligence of my heart. And there's a lot of actual, if you're more scientific driven and, and scientific based, there's this, uh, this company called Heart Math Institute, I believe. And they have a lot of studies they're doing on the intelligence of the heart and how there's just like, I think more neurons in the heart than there is in the brain. And so I know there's a lot of research on the gut and how the gut is the second brain, but there's just so much intelligence in the heart. And I truly believe that this is where our intuition comes from. This is where the greater intelligence of the universe works through us. And in order to tap into that connection, it, you have to, you have to have, you know, gone through these psychological processes. You have to feel good in your body. That, that includes like fueling your body with proper nutrition. And once you start taking better care of yourself, you can tap into this, this intelligence that is speaking through you. And for me, that, that spiritual maturity is not, not attaching to any, any way it needs to be, but developing a relationship that is personal for you, because I think that's just a really important part of mental health, emotional health, physical health, and then, you know, spiritual health. So how has becoming a dad impacted your, your process of spiritual, from in spiritual context, what has mm. fatherhood brought to you? I feel called to share uh, a deep, because it's been, you know, being in partnership and then being uh, a father and in, in this family dynamic is something that uh, I really shied away from. And so this is kind of a deeper story than just, you know, fatherhood, but you know, I just actually uncovered just re very recently working with therapists, me and my wife, Sarah, uh, been working through some, some deeper wounding and some, some codependency patterns. And, um, you know, we went into our relationship really fast. And so naturally the honeymoon phase is over and we're kind of doing this, this deeper work, this deeper dance together. And I've learned so much about myself through this process. And um, what I recognize is the story of, of radical freedom. Like I desire freedom so much. And part of my journey uh, when I left the NFL is I was engaged at the time and I ended up breaking off that engagement it was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do and um, end up really telling myself, like, I'm never, I'm never going to settle. Like I'm, I deserve, you know, better and like all these things. And so <laughs> getting to a point now where I'm looking back on that and that same pattern started showing up with, with my wife. And, um, this is really hard. We were at a really deep point and we ended up finding this therapist, uh, 
to help support us through this. And she's been incredible in so many ways. And basically uh, got to a point where I recognized I have this real avoidant energy uh, when it comes to relationships. And that is, you know, I, I package that psychologically as a story of like, I, I need my freedom and um, no woman can really hold my inner world and that it is, I don't want to hurt them when, when I tell them that I, I'd rather be free than be in partnership. And all of that, I got, I got a layer deeper through this, this relationship. And that's why I'm so grateful. And one of the things that I'll, I'll just throw in here, because I think it was really beautiful is um, actually, I'll get to that after this, after, after the discovery. So I'm working with this therapist and basically identify uh, this moment uh, when I was younger, I think I was about you know, 10 year old little Joey. And I remember I was, I was, I was, I forget exactly the context, but I was, I was talking to my mom. She was kind of yelling at me and I was very curious and I, I was asking her why and I forget the context of what I was asking her why about, but I was genuinely like, what, what, like, why do I have to do this? Or why do I have to do that? And she was just like, cause I'm your parent. And cause I said, so, and she's just like, just laying it on me. And then it, it turned into like a, about her and about how her feelings are hurt and how, you know, and so basically I, I recognized in that moment after going through that process, I was able to really feel what that little Joey needed to feel, did some inner child work and I was able to love that part of myself. And my therapist ended up helping me navigate into a deeper understanding of the environment that I grew up in. I, every time I would share my inner world or my emotions or something that hurt my feelings, uh, my mom wasn't really able to hold that and she would make it about herself. And so what I, the pattern that I learned was I need to take care of myself. I can't rely on women specifically for my inner world. And that, it's fascinating that that pattern kept showing up where I would say something and this would happen to my wife and it would, it would trigger her. And so then I would retreat because, oh, she can't hold it. And then I would create this whole narrative of like, I, I'm only going to like take care of myself and be alone and I want to leave and all this stuff. And one of the things that she she taught me was, that story is really beautiful because it got me to a point where I, I feel very sovereign and free within myself. And the, the, the example she used is like a, an infinity sign. And so you've accessed this love that's an infinity sign within yourself. And a lot of the new age teachings of like self-love and you need to love yourself. You can only love another to the extent that you love yourself. There's definitely a lot of truth in that, but it's only half the story. And what she taught me is, you know, half of the half of life is this infinity sign that is, that is vertical, but the other half is a horizontal infinity sign doing that work with another. And if you don't ever allow yourself to experience that, you're only experiencing half of life. And so working through that is really deep into my connection with my partner. And this, this infinity sign that's going through both of us now is allowing me to excavate some of these deeper foundational stories that I wouldn't have been able to access on my own. And so having that awareness has been so profound and we're just in a really good spot now. And we have different tools to communicate and awarenesses of our unconscious stories and wounding that shows up in the, in the relationship. And I think part of being a father is being able to show up for that type of work so that you can continue to clean out this generational trauma that you're talking about so that we can show up and be more present with our kids. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Are you familiar with the term Samaya? Do you know that? Mm. And it's uh, so Samaya basically means uh, being bonded or really what it is in, in a Buddhist context. It's a, it's a vow. It's a commitment or a vow to the path, to a teacher, to yourself, to the awakened state, whatever it is. And, and uh, I think it's really, as I sort of, you know, do my own practice and study in the spiritual realm, like I, one of the things that fatherhood has done for me and fam I just call it familyhood, right? And partnership, mm. just this whole reality that I'm in now and 
um, I don't really, I don't really have the capacity anymore to not be all in on like my chosen things. So, so I'm, I'm all in, you know, and I think that commitment, another way to say Samaya would just be commitment, right? But not just like some mental commitment that you make to something, but the actual sort of like, imagine the type of where you're literally welded to something like, like fundamentally uh, at, at, from an atom, like to, just from a material base actually welded to something. You know, I think that, um, you know, marriage is, is one version of that, right? It's a, it's a socially constructed kind of thing. The partnership is, is a commitment. And then, you know, when you start having little ones, there's a, <clears throat> another layer. I mean, all of this, I'm just trying to say, you know, marriage with children isn't fucking around, <laughs> you know, like it, it is. It, yeah. It, it's, it's the not fucking around path. Um, and I get worried, man. I get worried for people that take that trip um, and then just kind of like weather the storm without help through the whole fucking thing. It's like, Jesus Christ, that sounds fucking brutal. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't know where else I'm going with that other than just, well, I know. Um, I think that it's such a wild gift to have, uh, no way out, you know, and we all, I mean, we, we, we all have a way out, right? I mean, we could, we could certainly move around like you or I, if we truly wanted to, could probably move around the world, leave our kids behind, do whatever we wanted. Right. So it's not that, but, um, I'm nowhere near that, that path. Um, and I do feel that sort of welded sense right like i i uh i took i actually got up early this morning and took my oldest son canoeing we got up at like 5 30 and went out for an hour and a half and just went for a paddle you know he's been with three kids there's this real thing of um they each want our time so much right and it's good when we're together but they each just want that like solo time and so so we went out and did it and it just felt really uh, it felt like investing in that, in that commitment, you know, each time that I did that. And it was such a lovely morning, but um, I think I'm just rambling now. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love, I love, uh, I love where this is going because breaking down, you know, the, the deep, deep stories and the programming of what society tells us even like marriage is i think that's where a lot of people get lost and like the 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 stuck in it like i got married so i'm stuck here and i think what that creates is this even deeper codependency where i start losing myself and the i into the we and what i found uh very powerful is is when me and sarah start getting lost in the we that's when we start really like trying to show up for the other person more than ourselves or giving the person what we think they want and there you know obviously this a lot of people don't have the tools to properly communicate. And then when the wounding gets in place and then they, they trigger each other and then it creates either the anxious avoidant or people are either just so tied and they feel like they're stuck. And one thing that, you know, I'll offer that just me and Sarah have really come back to is like always coming back and, and having a sense of self and having a sense of I within the relationship, I think is so important. And, you know, we both have really deep codependency patterns and to recognize those. And it, it's, it is rhythm too, like ebbs and flows and being able to recognize. And this over the last couple of weeks, as I, I shared, I'm, I'm really diving into like the psyche and psychology and some of these great, uh, you know, teachers on, on, on this, these topics. And it's just really fun to explore and, and the archetypes, like I shared, but really understanding there's so like the psyche is so infinitely complex. 
And we have so many different parts of ourselves that show up. And sometimes one of my parts that shows up and meets her parts, it, it, th those parts don't really get along. And so that's where like the support and the communication and the understanding is really important. And then being able to, I mean, that's really all healing is, is being able to understand the different parts of ourselves and integrating them into the whole and how those parts show up. And I think for me, I've really had a real deep resistance to the idea of marriage because what was modeled to me is my parents, super codependent, really unhealthy relationship, don't know how to communicate, like a little bit emotionally unstable. And so like, I don't really want that. And then, you know, the, the statistic is something crazy, like 50% of people get divorced. I'm like, well, then why would I get married? And so that's the story I've developed around marriage. And so when I got married, we really, you know, kind of went into it for a wide variety of different reasons. And the one thing I'm really grateful for us is we made, we made a commitment and we made uh, these, these vows that were just so unique. And it was really about honoring each other's truth and being together as long as the relationship served us, but not this idea that because we're getting married, that we're, we're tied together forever, infinity into, you know, eternity and in, into heaven or hell, whatever you believe in. It's like, that is such a, a projection of the mind, but being able to be present and be like, is this, is this relationship serving us in the moment? And that's not saying when it gets hard to just run away. That's saying when, when it gets hard, it's like, this is actually why we did it is so that we can reflect and be mirrors for each other to do the deeper work. And it's hard to understand that and realize that when you're in it. Cause you, you asked me this a month ago, I'd have been like, I told you I didn't want to get married. <laughs> and now I'm like, I'm so grateful for this partnership. And that's because I found a woman that is, is willing to go there and do the work and hold her own energy and being able to receive, even though there's times when we're like, Oh, did I say the wrong thing? And I just, I just created a shit storm of a, of a situation, but being able to hold that and have the tools myself. And you're right. It's, it's so it's challenging, but when you show up and do the work on yourself and be able to communicate and develop these tools, I think that's the most important thing. And it'll definitely uh, help you as you navigate, you know, being a father, moving through the different stages of, of I can only imagine what that journey is going to be like. Yeah, man. The, uh, when I met my wife eight years ago and we got, we got married quickly also. Um, but I remember on our first date, we were at a place called Frankie's on the, uh, lower west side or on the west side of Manhattan and um, I don't know it wasn't like an instant sort of you know God said hey there here's your fucking wife dude it was it was a little bit more complicated at the beginning but I remember really clearly somewhere in the middle of that night and it was you know I had a bunch of drinks we had food and she told me stories about milking a pig and killing a skunk with a shovel and it was entertaining it was a good day right uh, but at some point in there, I had this like deep intuition moment. And it was just like, this one will stick through anything. This mm -hmm. one will stick with it. We'll stick with you. We'll stick with it. And I think that's, I think that's something that probably could be used to be said more often to, to, to partners or the choosing of partners or the mates. I think we really uh, do a, a disservice in our culture, describing what marriage actually is and what relationships are for the long haul. You know, I, I think it's one of those things. It's interesting. I'm so curious about it. It's like, it's like there's this whole world of what a, of what a partnership and marriage actually, the, the universe that it is. And obviously it's different for everybody, but there's enough commonalities, but it's sort of like, you kind of don't get a good look into that world until you actually walk through the doors, right? Maybe that's just how it is, but I feel the same with fatherhood, right? And becoming a parent. I'm really interested and curious about how this goes back to our conversation about the tribes living in community is like, 
you know, my sense is like earlier in human history, you like slept, you know, 12 feet from mom and dad or uncle and aunt, right? And you just were sort of like, you were in those human dynamics and it wasn't maybe something so fucking surprising once you once you got there yourself. Um, where was I going with that, Joe? <laughs> where was I going with that? Where did that sure. start? I was talking about... Um, Hmm. What did you say last? I'm gonna pick it up from what you said. What did you oh, just say? So I, I lost my own train of thought. <laughs> yeah, I was like following you. I was like, yo, where is he going with this? Got so present with it. Oh, you were talking, you were talking okay. So yeah, marriage, you were talking yeah. about marriage and the yes. Um, society's different yeah. frame of exactly what we've been taught. I feel like um I feel like it's just a fucking trip. Like to have kids, to be married, to like do this thing, which is obviously one of the most human things that's ever happened it's happened for every every generation since this whole human project started i don't know i don't know i just i think it's such a fucking trip i think it's endlessly hard i think it's endlessly interesting right and i do think that it it does have the the possibility of being that you know um real 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 time of life where where we do have an opportunity to know who the fuck we are or what is going on in a larger capacity because we are literally held to this, you know, that commitment, that Samaya or that bond. It's like, you know, like anytime I start tripping out about anything, it's like, no, dude, like you got to come home and put your son to bed and be here. Right. You got to come home. You got to make dinner. You got to give him a hug. You got to, it's just like this, it's like the ultimate meditation practice for me. Like, honestly, like it's, it's becoming that it's become that for me. It is a, it's a call back to, you know, what the fuck is actually going on. And it seems like there's less room for me to wander or trip out or whatever. Right. And, you know, I think interestingly, um, you know, there's moments where that feels like totally suffocating, but not honestly, not very often. Most, mostly for me, it feels liberating and there's a lot of freedom in it you know I think that there's um I remember when I first when I was younger and and I was working in tv and one of the guys I worked with had had kids and he told me this little story or, or this like insight that he had which was like you know you're young you're like part of what you're programmed to do is find a mate right and so and so like you use a bunch of your energy and your bandwidth and your mind and your everything is like kind of always on that radar is always like, where's my mate? Where's my mate? Where's my mate? And then you find it, you find your mate or you find a person and you kind of make that commitment. And I remember him saying, it's, it's like 50% of my energy came back online. Right. So like part, part of this program that was running at all times, like where the fuck is it? You know, once that happens, all of a sudden it creates a little bit more bandwidth right? You're not quite as spread out with your attention. You don't have all these different agendas going on. And I guess, you know, just, for, just to be honest about where I am, like I have like a home, which I'm committed to a wife. I'm committed to three fucking children and a, a career path. It's like, there's not much wiggle room, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like, there's not like much else to consider. Um, and I, what I, what I feel for myself, it's just like this incredible portal. It's like, all right, fucking, you know, I already strapped in. We're on the ride. You know, there's nothing to do other than just to fucking hit the gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it, it does, 
it does come back to being present, right? Because if you're in that experience that you shared and you're thinking about, oh, I, I, why, why did I do this to myself? I feel trapped. I want to be here. I'm missing out on life. I'm not able to do these things that maybe somebody else that I'm following on social media is able to do. And you're not actually present with it, then you're going to be making yourself miserable. And that energy is going to be showing up in your family, in your um, relationship with your kids. And so no matter where you're at in life, really, not just parenthood, but in life, like how do you, how can you be present with it? And that's, you know, back to my story where I was playing football, then in the van, and then all of a sudden, boom, it just all happened so fast. Because I was present through all those experiences, I was able to really live fully and get a lot of that adventure kind of, I don't want to say out of my system, but I really was able to be present and explore it. I wasn't constantly like, because I think the bigger issue that we face is people live so much in their minds and so much in the future of where they're missing out or what they're lacking in a scarcity mindset, or, you know, once I get the promotion or once I find the partner, or once I get here, then I'll be happy or be free or be able to do whatever I want. And that's just such a big fallacy. And so developing the tools to just be present through it all, even present through the challenges and be like, wow, I'm super grateful for this because I'm learning about myself. That is the key. It's not about being somewhere other than you're not. It's about finding ways to just really be radically present and then allow everything to unfold. And that's the same thing we talked about, even though there was some resistance there with the feminine principles, the way the masculine energy shows up in that is being present with the energy that comes through and the emotions. So that's how you find balance is how can I be present with my emotions rather than trying to suppress them and allow them to flow and being present with my kids. And I mean, that's the biggest thing I missed with my dad. Like I didn't need him to be, and this is, I mean, it's taken me time and some deep healing work to really feel this because there's, there was times when I was, you know, a little bit resentful and angry and, and wishing he was like doing certain things, but I've gotten to points like all I really desired from him and all I really desire from him now is, is to be more present with me. And he's, he's, he's not, and he's, he's, he's just hasn't developed the tools. He's just been lost in the the story and the program of the matrix and society and culture. And Mm -hmm. the idea that you need to work for retirement, work your whole life. And then all of a sudden you'll be free and you won't have to work anymore. Isn't that such a fallacy? Every, like most people in the world, or at least in this country, their idea is I'm working so hard so that one day I'll never have to work again. It's like, have you ever like tried to not work? And that's when I'm so grateful that I, I made enough money to retire at 29. Yeah. And I, I, I hadn't made enough money to live the rest of my life without ever, ever having yeah. to work again. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, that is a fallacy. Like you need something to get out of bed in the morning, whether that's your kids, or your family, your partner, your traveling, adventure. Uh, but you need some type of vocation to put your energy into or you're going to go mad. Yeah, man. I'm... You know, you brought up the future as, as usually a folly in somewhere where we spend a lot of time, but I actually want to lean into, into the future a little bit, because I think another interesting role that we get to at least experiment with as dads is to realize that, you know, human history has spread out before us, and here we are now in this moment, uh, or behind us, I guess, and here we are now. And then, you know, you could imagine a future where human history continues to go beyond, right? So future generations and, and, and that. And, you know, what I'm curious about is um, the impact that we may be able to have in a positive or negative, right? I mean, it could both go both ways on our, our own children's lives, but their children's lives and, and the future of everything. And, <clears throat> You know, we live in a really, really fucking wild time right now, man. And, and you know, we could, maybe we could have always said that. You know, I'm not sure. 
Uh, and I've been asking a lot of people and asking a lot of old timers, like, Hey, does this feel different now, you know, than it did in the 1950s or 1970s? And generally the answer has been, yes, it does feel different, but um, I don't know. I'm curious. One other quick thing, you know, in, in working with dads, one of the most important skills or not even skill sets, but things to, to really lean into is the power of, of intentionality, intentional thinking, intentional decision-making, intentional action, right? Because when you have two kids in a job or three kids in a job or whatever, and all this life, like our, our extra time goes way down. And to, to be a dad and not be living in a reactionary, just survival state is, is pretty fucking rare, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> if we thought about, you know, what do you want for your, for your, for Luca and any other children you have? I'm, I'm curious ab- about that. I could make some easy guesses like, you know, the ability to be present to, you know, community around them, things like that. But specifically, specifically thinking about where, where things set, sit politically, uh, climate-wise, you know, racial, just generally where we are in the moment, I think it's really worthwhile to think about how how might we best prepare our children for what seems to be like a really elusive, unknowable future. Mm. Um, yeah, curious yeah. your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think you know part of the the journey that we're all on uh, is really we're, we're headed into an unknown experience of reality and that that can mean uh, a wide variety of things i think there's a range of you know we're, we're going through some type of collective transition um and you know with the the advancement of technology and with the kind of fractured social climate and you know financial markets kind of shaky being built up like a house of cards like what's going to happen and it could be anything from a total collapse and chaos or it could be a smooth transition or anything in between and so I think the the process we're all being called is to develop a relationship with the unknown, which fascinating enough is uh, the humans, the human beings biggest fear, which is, you know, the, the fear of the unknown is also, you know, aka death, the great unknown. And so we naturally in, until we're able and there's, you know, speaking to the psychological death rebirth process that we're speaking to, even in the psychological death rebirth, where you're dying of an old way of being in an old story, that is just as equal to just physically dying like it, there, there's that's why p- it's people struggle so much because they want to they hold on because like what is what's on the other side of this i don't want to let go of this because who am i without it and so there's this navigation into the unknown and i feel like collectively as a society culture as a planet we're going through a collective death rebirth process right now and so there's no way to predict what the rebirth is going to look like and so i think for me it's developing the tools of being able to feel, you know, and this is where the spiritual maturity kind of plays into is this, is this trust and this faith, faith and this connection to something greater than the self is such an important part of, of, of trusting the unknown in the process and trusting the self too, like trusting my ability to navigate the unknown and having the tools for that. And so when it comes to, to seeing Luca, you know, one thing that, that I read, it was a, it was an article or a poem or something um, right before uh, Sarah was out, about to give birth, that really stuck with me. And I think this is a real, uh, a real uh, beautiful way to look at parenting and fatherhood is, you know, a lot of times in our society and culture, as parents, as fathers, maybe we, uh, when we see our kids, we, we see in them potential and potential of maybe 
reaching or doing or accomplishing something that we were never able to. And so a lot of times what happens is we project our shortcomings, we project our dreams, we project our visions that maybe we didn't pursue onto our kids because one day they're going to be able to reach the levels that I was not. And what this article talked about is it's not my role or job to necessarily mold or, or create this, this human into something. They are their own essence. They are their own energy signature. They have come here to learn their own lessons. And nature's it, it's nature's job to raise this kid. And the, and or the way for me as the father to inspire Luca is not to project or force him into a certain box or into a certain thing. And there's there's obviously some nuance here, and we can dive into that of like creating boundaries and 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 guidance and all of this. I totally believe in that. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to making sure my kid is going to turn out as a great member of society, if you will, the way I can do that best is by checking in with myself and checking in with my heart's purpose and my vision and what I'm being called to do in the world. What's my dharma? And the best way I can inspire him is by going and living that and going and pursuing that. And showing him when I go and, and reach my upper limit or reach a fear that our resistance or self-limiting belief, we feel like I'm questioning my capabilities, showing him how I work through that myself, how I continue to push through my own obstacles, how I continue to forge forward because I trust that there's something in me that is being called through me to create something in the world and him being witness to that and bringing him on the journey of how I work through those problems and how I work through my own resistance and blocks and how I find joy and gratitude and all the little things that is going to, what is going to be what inspires him to go live his purpose. Cause he's got his own soul's calling. He's got his own reason for being, and it's not my reason for him being. And I think that that shift was really profound for me because I, that, that kind of earlier in the conversation, it's like, what's the, what's the roadmap? What's the, what's the model? What's the guidebook for raising a kid? It's, Let's go live your dreams, go live your purpose, go live your life to the fullest and bring your kid along on that journey. And that will inspire them to do the same. I, I'm yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I put myself in the um, imagine putting myself in the seat of, of a dad listening to this, who's just getting his ass kicked. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You know, like just getting his ass handed to him. Um and be, I could just be hearing him saying like, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> like, fuck you. You're telling me like, I'm trying to like get through this and you're telling me I'm supposed to go live my fucking dreams. Um, <clears throat> maybe nobody's having that reaction, but I, I, I fucking agree with you. I really do. I think that, um, you know, our kids are literally patterning patterning themselves after us at every at all the moments right and and maybe not all the moments but plenty of them enough to know that who we are fundamentally who we're being how we act how we talk the decisions we make man i had one recently what was it um oh one of my weird fucking ticks is that i have a really hair trigger sensitivity to to, <laughs> to mouth noises Right. So if there's somebody that chews really loud with their mouth open, like I actually just leave. Um, <laughs> if, you know, and, and other times, like just like these little, like it, it's, it's embarrassing, but it's, it's really strong and I haven't figured out how to get rid of it. And, um, anyway, my, I think my oldest recently, and so my mom has the same thing. My mom has the same exact tick. And That's I just saw my oldest son start to display that. And I'm like, 
fuck. I don't know how to stop that one from getting from getting transmitted, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, man, our kids are like just like fucking in a weird way, they are us, you know. They're half of us, you know, they're their own little thing going on too. But but in some ways, they're I like to look at our our lineage as like a, just a big organism that kind of keeps evolving and replicating itself, you know. It's like the fucking that's trick. fascinating, isn't it? And yeah, that's man. Why, that's why it's so important to do the inner work on yourself. Uh, Because it's the unconscious stuff that goes and gets passed down to our kids. And so if you're not exploring the self, exploring your own uh, experiences, your own triggers, your own tics, and you're not actually trying to bring more awareness and bring that shadow stuff into the light, that's the stuff that's going to get passed on unconsciously to your kids. And so the most important part, and, you know, it's not the grandiose vision of like, I want to go be a musician and I never got to do that. But it's like, how you know be, even being a good dad or being a good example to your to your partner and like how you show up for that is all of those little things is inspiring like this is how you be this is not what you should do and there's just such a subtle difference but it's so profound and i think yeah. it's really about like just doing your own work and and understanding yourself uh that and being able to process that like that's what i imagine as i raise luca and as he has different experiences and he goes through different emotional swings and he has different curiosities. It's how I conduct my own curiosity. And I share that experience with him. Like, Hey, this is how I would navigate the situation. This is how I have navigated it. And he's actually witnessing that in me. Then he can actually see like, okay, like that's, he's like walking the walk and not just talking the talk. No, a hundred percent. And I think it's like, uh, you know, one of the things I know for sure, and, you know, when I first started having kids was right as I started Every Man and was like dedicating all of my life basically to emotional health for, for males, right? That's that's what I was. And so obviously a core value of what we brought to our kids was I had two boys first, right? And it's like, these boys are, are, are not going to know life, you know, without uh, emotional sort of health, right? They're going to they're gonna have that baked in. And um I'm super proud, right? I'm, I'm super proud that that's, that's real. Obviously, it's not perfect. And it's not some, you know, panacea. But um, yeah, I think, you know, some of the core things that my wife and I really, uh, I guess, just to say, it, I think it's worth saying, too, I think I'm really grateful that, um, you know, my wife and I have had a had a kind of a wild time together, mostly good. And I think it's where our marriage is an incredible place. But one place where we've been literally mirrored aligned and connected and in on the same page has been how we raise our kids which is just a huge gift Mm. um but you know some of the things that we really put to the center are uh you know just connection with nature being being able like being our bodies having fun like being expressive um you know being relational connecting to others you know having space to to know what you really love and have time and space to go after that and um, you know, I, I, I agree. Well, I don't know if I agree that, that there's a manual or not a manual, I guess what I am, I'm, I'm, I guess I am interested in pulling together a non-prescriptive manual for, for fatherhood, right? Which is here are some of the basic capacities that seem to be really, really critical and helpful for as you as kind of being getting out of the way enough but being you know helpful and and protective enough right kind of finding Mm. that balance Um, absolutely yeah i think like principles guidelines absolutely and i just don't yeah i don't think it's as uh it's like multifaceted hitting it on different layers you know 
But yeah, I definitely think that's beautiful. Is that something you're working on? You're trying to create like a framework? I mean, I think this project is just generally leaning that way. I got some audio courses out now and and, and working cool. that way, but I haven't I haven't like codified it into like a coherent like a, like a repeatable framework yeah. that's that's you can track and actually see this is going to benefit you. I mean, yeah. I'm doing the same thing with with the Heart Collective and Heart Led Leadership. It's like how do I bring uh, principles of heart led leadership or a framework into something that people can look at and like, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is self-work. And so guiding people into the self is part of that. Right. I'm interested. I have a question for you. I'd love to hear how you handle technology in this day and age. Cause I know that's yeah. something that's going to start coming online online a little bit more with Luca as he gets more aware of like, obviously we're on our computers working. We have our cell phones are a huge integral part of our lives. How do you handle that uh, with your family? Yeah. So we actually are pretty extreme. We decided to not have any, um, screens live within half a mile of our house. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, we're, I don't know. We're pretty, I think, I think we have a pretty lax, but principled approach, right? So, um, the kids fucking love TV. They fucking, you know, they're so into it. Um, <clears throat> but I think we've done a pretty good job of, of, having a balanced porch. I actually think our kids, I think it would be doing a huge disservice to our children if we uh, totally like banned screens yeah. because it's their the fucking game. medium of life, man. It'd be like, yeah. they like when I was a kid, like, no, you can't read, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, like what yeah. are you doing? You know? Exactly. Um, I, I totally agree with that. So it's like something so new and it's like that even, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, it was like the story of like, we didn't have screens when we were young. So like, the answer is to just like limit screen time and it's like well it's never been done before but that's definitely not the answer because it's such an integral part of of being human i mean we're like cyborgs now this is access these phones are access yeah. to an infinite amount of information so it's it's there it's available it's a huge tool that yeah. you could really like deprive your kid if you don't but also the the other end of the spectrum is if there are just no boundaries around it, that could really be detrimental too. So it's just a very fast. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, but the other thing that's so very apparent is the, the behavioral sort of just the state of being of, of my kids, like you can map it and track it, like how much screen time they have to how many fucking, you know, tantrums are thrown wow. and, and, and yeah. like, it's, it's real, man. And so you know, the way we do it practically is we do movie night, Friday, Friday nights, and we have like a full, full family sit down movie and have dinner. Um, a lot of times just for practical purposes, there's a little window right as dinner's being cooked about, you know, 5 p.m. in the evening. That's like my, my routine is I get home from work. I go, the boys and I go wrestle. That's like what we do every day. Um, and then you know, now that we have a third kid, at least it's like put the baby to sleep or whatever. So if I'm cooking dinner, she's cooking dinner. We usually, we usually let them like go watch one episode of something, some shitty fucking Netflix bullshit, thing. <laughs> like whatever, you know, like whatever you want, but one episode or maybe 20 or 30 minutes worth uh, right before dinner. And that's, that's just kind of become, <clears throat> they don't push it. They don't want, they're not like asking for more. It's like fairly controlled and managed. Um, you know, and then some days if somebody's sick or whatever, sometimes we'll just like, you know, kind of op open up the boundaries, but I think we're doing a pretty good job, man. And as far as I can tell, I think, um, you can see how addictive it is though, man, you can see, it, but it's also so fucking hypocritical 
for, you know, obviously we need boundaries, but like, you know, there's a moment on Fridays when Apple delivers my sort of weekly screen time stats where I just like, I like, fucking oh look away. I look <laughs> away. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. It's fucking, it's yeah. crazy, dude. Crazy time we live. Yeah. And like, nobody knows the long tail damage of all this stuff. And I mean, yeah. I mean, even with social media, that's an interesting thing. That's a whole nother thing. It's like access to phones and screen time and Netflix is one thing, but then even the psychological, like when your kids start getting old enough that, you know, all their friends have social medias and it's like, actually, I'm really going to draw a hard line there because that's yeah. opening up a whole nother discussion. I mean, I started my career when I was in my early twenties leading these therapeutic wilderness trips. And even at that time, man, what year would that have been? Um, Maybe it was more gaming. When would that have been? That would have been like 2006, 7, 2008. Even way back then, man, the percentage of kids sent away to these programs was climbing up into the 40 percentile range of kids with screen addiction. Wow. And that's that's almost 20 years ago. I think, yeah. right? <laughs> that's probably and, close to the 80, 90 percent, if not 100. Oh, man. So, yeah, I think I think that uh, and some of our like my wife's cousin who has older kids, you know, has shared that you know their kids turned into fucking nightmares because of social media you know so i don't know i don't have an answer for that yet but i think it's it's i'm glad you asked i think i think we got to ask ourselves that every fucking quarter quarterly quarterly i mean the world's moving so fast it's crazy like even social media has changed so much in the last like like with instagram right it's one of the biggest social media platforms but with with tiktok and the way the reels are going i've noticed even the energy of of the collective like frequency of Instagram has shifted where I don't even feel like I can connect with people because everybody's trying to create reels to get seen. And so it's, it's just, it's always shifting. It's like so weird. It is weird, man. Um, I got one last question for you, man. If you were um, to sort of give a talk or write a book uh, on what's applicable from NFL life, football training, that, that whole chapter of your life into your current chapter as, as husband and dad, uh, what sticks? Like, I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, we focused a lot of this on that second little, that chapter after football, but what, what, what's, what's the good, like what, what sticks from all of that time for now? Yeah. The thing that's coming through pretty strongly that I'm really grateful for that that helped me through i mean that first year of 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 birth and and being a new father is it's insane i mean it's 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 literally just yeah just trying to really survive and stay grounded and it it can it gets it consistently gets easier and then different kind of challenges pop up but that first year i i have a lot of friends that um are new dads as well and some of them are being rocked by it and one of the things that to answer your question that really helped me through that first year of, of new fatherhood uh, as it, as it correlates to football is this, this mental toughness. And what I mean by that is my ability to be present through discomfort and to, to not get like way thrown off in the discomfort of my physical body of being tired of, you know, maybe Sarah's feeling a certain way or the, the baby's crying or they need, they need to do the dishes or do some housework, you know, and it's like, ah, like just trying to like figure it all out. And I was just able to like in the challenge of all that, when I felt like, Oh my God, this is so chaotic, chaotic. I was able to just like have some, some mental resolve and being grounded. 
And that definitely was cultivated through football and, and what I learned through that. I'm really grateful for that because I see some of my friends that, and, and a couple of them are a little bit younger, so they have a little bit less, you know, life experience, but I'm like, oh, wow, they're just really getting rocked right now because they're getting thrown off. And that's why support is so important and being able to find other men to like, you know, it, it is not easy, especially that first year. And it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay that it's not easy. It's okay to feel and it's okay to you know, try and take some space where you can find it and communicate when you need space and being able to show up for not just your, your baby, but uh, for your partner and your family as well. I lied. I have one last question for you. Yeah. If you, if you could be transported, oh, how should I say this? No, fuck, fuck the transportation thing. If, if you could take 60 seconds um, right now, and I would record this 60 seconds and deliver it to Luca 25 years from now, what, what message would you have for him? Oh, oh, man, 25 year old Luca, 26 year old Luca, man, I just, I'd love to share some gratitude for all the lessons, for all the growth, for all the experiences we've got to share. For teaching me, for deepening my understanding of self, for loving me and for allowing me to love so deeply and connect with a love I thought I'd never experience. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that we've develop this relationship and i'm excited to continue on the journey forward and just witness you continue to step up into a man and witness your ability to to lead not only yourself but be an example for those around you oh yeah man i'm excited to continue to to witness you as you go on this crazy journey of life and uh I would say I'm, I'm here to support you through it and um, always, always here to listen and, and, and to support. Oh, I love you. Right on, man. Thank you. Thanks for being a guest, brother. It's good to see yeah. you. Thank you too, man. It's really good to see you. Take care. Thank you for listening to this. It would be really rad if you enjoyed this to subscribe and leave us a review. I think that still works. I know it still works. It's really helpful. If you subscribe to this feed and leave us a review, it just kind of puts us on the map and gets some energy building. I aim for this podcast to go big. I want this to be the biggest fatherhood podcast in the world. So if you're willing, do your part, give me a review and keep tuning in. We got some great guests coming up. If you have suggestions for guests, I would love to hear them. Please write in. You can go to the dandody.com website. Get yourself on the mailing list. Send us a message. We want to hear from you. Help us build this thing into something that's truly magnificent. Thanks, everybody.